Well, hello, welcome back to my podcast, Voice Notes from Textured. Uh, today is the 9th of February. I actually recorded this episode last week with my friend Camilla, who is an architect. Um, and we talk about all things architecture, interior design, how they work together. It's a really lovely episode. And I met her at Design Central last uh, year. And I just thought she was just a ball of energy and I just absolutely adore her. So it was a really good episode. Um, and just before I recorded this, I actually had an amazing workshop with Johnston Paints talking about their colour of the year. And there were some amazing inspirational images with those colours on projects. And I was like, wow, it was very, very inspirational. I think they're going to send me the slides. I'm going to pop, pop them on my social media so you can have a little look. Uh, but enjoy this episode. Sit back. And if you do love this episode, please do you know like, subscribe, all that jazz at the end. I'd really, really appreciate it. And any questions, do say hi on my Instagram. But for now, sit back and enjoy. Well, hello. <laughs> Welcome to Voice Notes from Textured. My name is Simon Mayhew. I'm an interior designer and the founder of Textured, a luxury interior design studio. I had an unconventional route into interior design after building a successful theatre agency in London. I just couldn't ignore my love for interiors, so I'm here to do it all again with Textured. Now, I'm a huge voice noter, and since we're friends now, each episode I'll be sending you a voice note, exploring different elements of interior design and the highs and lows of running a business. So, I'm about to press record. Are you ready? Hello, welcome back to my podcast, Voice Notes from Textured. I hope you are well. So today I have my friend Camilla from Architecture Ventures, who is an architect, and we met at Design Central. Was it back in October? September time? I think it was August, September time, yeah. August, and I met my friend there, and Camilla walked around the corner, full of colour, full of energy, and I was like, I'm <laughs> going to like you. She's a bit camp, and I loved it. <laughs> And we instantly got on, um, had an amazing day, and we sort of stayed in touch as we get on with our busy lives. And with the podcast, I really wanted to get an architect on board just to talk about the whole process. Um, I'm talking to a client at the moment who's doing a renovation from scratch, and I want to talk about the process of an architect, how interior designers and architects work together, about Camilla's background, and we'll just cover a few little bits of bobs. It's, it's mainly sort of steering out of interior design and going into the architecture world. Um, mm -hmm. also, me being in Manchester, there is so much happening recently up here. Mm -hmm. I'm actually really intrigued about uh, buildings and architecture. So Camilla, welcome. <laughs> Hello, tell me well, about thank you. you and kind of how you got to the point. Tell me about your company because I know it's your own company. And talk, yeah, tell me yeah. your training and how you got to the point where you are. And Okay. So um, I started off um, as a very enthusiastic art student as a sixth former and knew I wanted to do something creative and didn't quite know where to go with it. Um, and my art teacher turned around and said, you're a draftsman, you should be an architect. Wow. And at that point, I hadn't, I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't know what the career involved. Um, and I went to do my first work experience and it just immediately, that was it. That's all I wanted to do. Wow. So it was, it was quite a, a, dra dra a very late choice. Draftsman. Oh, yeah. wow. I would do, if someone said that to me in a class, I'd be like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> she meant that my style of kind of setting out my artwork was very pragmatic and measured and, and 
technical and, and accurate. Okay. Um, and she just said, oh, you strike me as someone that would make a really good architect. You've got a good eye. And yeah, I hadn't considered it at all. Does she know you've gone into like, architecture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went back a few years later, yeah. Oh, my she God. Was one of the most inspirational teachers, really. Wow. Yeah, she was great. Oh, my God. So in that class, she said it, and then you, here you are. Yeah. So yeah. What, and that's, that is not said that. Reason. What's that? Sorry. How, what would have happened had she not said that? I know. I know. Well, it's something that I love doing. I absolutely love my job. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine doing anything else. I'm never going to retire. <laughs> <laughs> so if she hadn't told me, I don't know. I don't know. Would be lost doing something else, perhaps, or and found that, another route into it. And that was a sixth form. Sixth form. Yeah. So what happened? What happened after sixth form? Form? What happened? What, what was your next step? Uh, I went to do loads of work experience, worked with um, a family friend who, who ran his own practice. So I kind of got chucked in at the deep end, saw what uh, architecture practice was like, and he really inspired me. Um, did my A-levels, went to university, Did t you do two degrees, two parts, and then a third part in an office. So it's all in all about nine years of training. Wow. wow. Yeah. So you have to be passionate. You have to really want to do it and keep yeah. your eye on the, the prize, oh, really. By the way, Camilla has a new 12-week <laughs> puppy and she's in the room with Camilla <laughs> so on her lap, <laughs> currently on her lap, licking her face. Um, yeah. Okay, so you went, so you did the degree. So what did you get a job straight away or did you, did you set up your own business straight away? Yeah, no, so what happened, you do um, a, a year's placement um, I went to Bath University, so you do a year's placement where you learn what it's actually like to be an architect, a practicing architect, and then you go and finish your degree with that kind of in the back of your mind. So out of university, you go into a graduate position, and you have to do your part three. Right. So you become someone that can run a practice in that time. So you can't really start your own on your own until after that's finished. Uh, I went to work in Manchester, like you are now, Piccadilly Tower. It's the first. <laughs> Um, absolutely loved it. Got exposed to lots of different types of projects. And then I went across to Chester. Um, I worked for the government of Gibraltar for a little while, wow. which is amazing. Um, and then the at the point in Chester, you know, the old buildings in the town centre. Yeah. Started so pretty, aren't Gorgeous. They? Really absolutely gorgeous. stunning. All the yeah, Tudor buildings. Um, and then, yeah, at the point where I wanted to start a family, I decided to start my own practice at the same time. <laughs> As you do. As you do. Okay. So, so with the yeah, course, give people who are in what do you learn in the course? Like what what is architecture? What what is it? So uh, if you go to an architecture degree, you're kind of being taught how to design. Okay. Fundamentally, you are taught how to uh, understand a brief, how to turn it into something how to turn it from an idea into a concept and into an actual proposal. Okay. So you're being taught the absolute fundamentals of how to kind of take a written statement and turn it into a design for a building. And do you, it's, it's a fascinating process. Do you understand me? I live, I'm literally right now looking at a humongous skyscraper at 64 stories, literally outside my window. And I sometimes mm -hmm. just go, how does that like, how, I find I love <laughs> buildings and I think, how does that actually stay up? So do you learn about how a building yeah, so I was very lucky at Bath at Bath University. They were the only course in the whole country that offered um, you having to do structural engineering as right. your part. 
your first year. So we were taught how buildings went together as the very first lesson in wow. our degree. So is that two so, things, though, structural engineering and architects? Yes. What, yes. What's the difference? Architects more design-led? Architects are design-led. They go from a conceptual idea through to physical plans of a building. Um, and structural engineers take those plans or sometimes the concept and come up with uh, how it's physically going to stand. How, how does it go together? What construction type is it? How does it not fall over? Basically. Okay. So on like a massive project, there's a new uh, building opening on Deansgate and I think it completes 27. Um, it's called St. Michael's. It's going to be stunning. Uh, it's a W residences. Mm -hmm. So will the structural engineer and the architects be the two people that get employed first? Yes. Then the yeah, interior often. designers or is, is interior designers at exactly the same time or is that a little bit too early? Well, historically, um, interior designers, in my opinion, came in too late. They'd be, you know, the superstructure would be done, the designs would be done, and then they'd come in and do like the finishing touches. Right. But now I think people are understanding the power of a collaborative design team and they're getting them in right from the beginning, which is the right way to do it, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. because I, I'm working on a project at the moment and they gave me their architectural plans and mm -hmm. I immediately was like, oh, where are you going to put your light over the the dining table? Um, yeah. Because they'd put two windows directly. Uh, one was over the dining table and one was directly over the kitchen island. And I said, mm -hmm. don't you want any feature light to hang on either? And they said, yes. And I was like, well, where are they going to go? They can't hang from the sky. <laughs> so I got involved and then sort of to convince them to have one larger window over mm -hmm. the island because they wanted to flooded with natural light in the kitchen and then put the pendant lights over the dining table to make it yeah. more intimate and you can have um obviously you can dim the lights and you can create more of an atmosphere but the kitchen just mm -hmm. stays bright um so yeah but I was brought in a little bit later down that process yeah so it's yeah. interesting that I don't know why that architect would put windows over the, them anyway well, sometimes, unfortunately, it depends what how they approach the design, how they approach kind of fulfilling the brief. I know that the process I take is fairly unusual in that I do all my furniture layouts immediately. Right. So I I I'm I work in a way that's kind of uh, melding between architecture and interior design and interiors architecture. So I don't believe that you can effectively design a building without knowing where everything is inside. Well, it's so true because the project I'm doing at Viaducts, which is one of the new skyscrapers, they've sent me all of their floor plans. And obviously I'm I'm doing uh, six, six or seven apartments over there. And they've given me their architectural drawings with all of the furniture laid out. And when you go into yeah. those apartments, you can't, you can't really change much. I mean, the bedrooms, they're all mm -hmm. in a new build. They're sort of set as is. The plugs are already there. So for an interior yeah. designer for a new build, it's quite difficult to change anything because the room is set out, like you said, with all plans in mind. Yeah, yeah. But for me, that's frustrating sometimes when you get the plan, you're like, oh, that just doesn't look good. Yes, yeah. Good. And that's why it needs to be interactive, I think. Yeah. Right from the beginning. Yeah. Because you're bringing different things to the table. The architect's looking holistically at superstructure and light and, you know, structure. And as an interior designer you're looking at it from a position of how someone's going to live there yeah and how it's going to feel because i was like, which is a slightly different mentality it's completely different mentality and yeah. obviously with the, a new build you're fighting against things like budget as well so mm -hmm. 
when I went and did a, a bit of a recce round there, I was like, where, the, where are people going to hang their washing? Because you put the, <laughs> yeah. the dining table in front of the only free sort of window in the apartment. And they <laughs> looked at me and was like, oh, no, we're not sure. I was like, that's quite a big thing. Not yeah. Yeah. washing yeah. a massive thing in an apartment. Yeah. And you've just pressed the button on something that I'm really passionate about. Obviously, I do residential architecture. Right. And I believe that before you start on site the homeowner should know where the tea bags are stored where the hoover goes <laughs> where they're going to put the washing where does the christmas tree go it's so I don't important think that you can design a space without that without knowing all of that yeah you know, this is someone's home yeah they have to know where everything goes and how it works because i think building so, yeah. a home is very different from apartments yes because you are yeah. so set within a certain structure and you just kind of mm-hmm. gotta just wing it a little bit and just make it work when you're in there. You've got a bit more freedom, obviously, from from scratch. Um, mm. So going back just a little bit during your courses, was there any moments in your course and you were like, "Oh no, this isn't for me," or were you all the way like, "I am literally loving this. Like, this is great." Well, to give that kind of answer context, we started off with kind of sixty students in our year, and we went oh. down to thirty in the first year. Wow. Um, I was one of, I think. 20 girls to start the course and I graduated with two other women no <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I think that kind of answers What's that it. reason because it's so damn hard <laughs> right it's physically challenging it's mentally exhausting it's 18 hours in studio it's it's exhausting wow. you are changing the way your brain works to learn how to design and and be creative under pressure. You can't think about it, you've got a deadline, you've got six weeks, you know. It's really funny when being creative under pressure, I had this conversation with an interior designer, I don't know if it's the same for architecture, but when you are naturally a creative person, you mm-hmm. always don't want to think about the pressure of it, you just follow your gut and your instinct. Yeah. And then yeah. it takes the pressure away. Absolutely, yeah, you have to kind of, do it. As I, just I kind of talk to myself. Yeah, and think I can do it. It's fine. Anything that comes along, I'll be able to fix it. I don't need to overthink it. And I, yeah, I let my brain think about think about it gently. Almost, yeah, if you put pressure in, it's like writer's block. Yeah, I was at the computer the other day, and I was like, I couldn't even think my what my name was. I was so burnt. Day, <laughs> I was like, I'm just gonna step. Up, I'm gonna stop. It was five o'clock. I was like, I physically can't stretch my mind anymore. I need you to stop. I'm not being productive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I stepped away. So what's been your most challenging project to date? Um... Actually, my own home. Okay. The renovation of my own home. So uh, we bought a house about 15 years ago. Okay. Uh, and it was a derelict four bed cottage in a quarter of acre plot. Absolutely beautiful, uh-huh. but literally falling down. So it had subsidence. It was a wreck. Um and I was kind of charged with uh, my ex-husband at the time. He kind of said to me, right, you be the architect and I'll be the client. So that's how, <laughs> that's how we ran the, ran the project. And I had to come up with a design that opened this very dark, very damp little cottage up into a, into a five-bed family home. <clears throat> and when you're designing for a client, there's a level of expectation that you're going to deliver and you know this is my passion and I can do this when it's your own the overthinking that goes on when you're developing a brief for your own home is amazing it's it doesn't feel like the same process at all 
But I think that's because you are being, it's you're kind of being guided by what they want, the client yeah. want. Yeah. So then you're steering in that direction. Because I had the same yeah. thing. I'm, I want to redo my lounge downstairs. I'm staring at it. I'm thinking, what? Well, because the opportunities are endless. Endless. The opportunities are endless. So without a steer and without a brief, you know. Yeah. So, uh, you've, got I that. A, you've got to treat yourself as a client and do exactly what you would do. Yeah. And try and not, yeah. it's overwhelming, isn't it? It's overwhelming. Yeah. Especially and, when and kind you of love stay so in your much. lane. Yeah. What's that? Sorry. Especially when you love so much, because we're exposed to so many products that yeah. it's very difficult to get. Oh, you could redesign it a million times, yeah. but you just have to kind of find a route and stick to it and stay in your lane with it and yeah where, where are you, that that was nice are you done with that now are you still in the process of doing that oh no no so that was years ago okay. um yeah it actually won uh interiors architecture award did it in 2022 yeah yeah for home building renovation magazine oh, so i think it worked send me that picture and i will post that picture when we release the podcast for context okay. what we're looking at. I'd love, yeah. love to see that. Um, yeah. So let's just go back. So we're going to talk quickly about collaborating with interior designers and mm -hmm. sort of the collaboration process with an interior designer. I know some architectural practices have in-house interior designers, mm -hmm. but for people yeah. like me and you, to explain for any interior designers out there or architects listening, what is the collaboration from the very beginning? What happens between an architect and an, and an interior designer? Okay, so over the years, I've developed my brief taking uh, part of my project um, in, into uh, developing mood boards immediately as the absolute first stage. So whilst the measured survey is going on, I develop mood boards with my clients. Okay. So from the very word go, we're visually communicating with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, so it sets a precedent in, the, in my mind as to what they're looking for um, and guides the design process from my side. And then if budget allows and if um, agreed, I would bring an, an interior designer in at that point to start looking at those mood boards and kind of steering the design and, and perhaps kind of talking to me about how I can create those spaces from the very beginning. Okay. So that we're designing in all of those kind of features right from the beginning of the process. And so this is a common question that I, list, I get asked all the time and I'm always speaking about it with interior designers and it's how they can grow their businesses. So would mm. you say that it's really important that interior designers form those relationships with architects yes. because architects yes. can they're the ones that kind of recommend the interior yeah. designers. Well, I think it's mutually beneficial for both of us as architects and interior designers that we collaborate. Yeah. We as architects are beginning, you know, you begin the design process with your client and this is your job to inform them as to how they can do their project to the very best. So if yeah. you're used to working with an interior designer, they become part of your design team and you present that design team to the client. And what so, if, if you two don't agree on something, what happens then? How do you get through that bit? What, the interior designer and the architect yeah. or the client? Yeah, the interior uh, designer and the architect. So I'm assuming you will present, do you present something together? So when I've worked with an interior designer before, uh, 
the biggest project I, I did with an interior designer was a three a three story restaurant that had a different slightly different theme on each floor. Okay. And the way that we did it, I developed the brief with the client, which kind of uh, led to mood boards. Yeah. And then I kind of handed those mood boards over to the interior designer for development. Okay. So I recognized her skill set as being able to do that for me whilst I went down the route of the physical building kind of drawings. Yeah. And because the client had agreed the way forward in the concept, that's what kept us in the same lane, in the same kind of mindset. And I trusted her to do her job and she did a fabulous job. Wow. So I think it's less about what happens if you disagree and more about respecting each other's skill sets and the boundaries within the project. And do you, because something that I really think about when I'm doing interior design for a hospitality project specifically, I mean, I love branding. Um, I think yeah. the creative part of my, my brain, I just love really strong brands. Do you think yeah. about the brand when you're doing the architecture? Do you kind of, because I definitely... Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I guess in the con in the context that if I'm working for a commercial client and it's a restaurant or a bar fit out, they have their brand, and if they need help developing that brand, I can do that and yeah. happily do that. I love, I love that. it. I yeah, love brands. it's great. I really yeah. do. Like I'm working with the company at the moment who've done my new brochures and website, and it just looks. I just love it. Sometimes I mm -hmm. can't quite articulate exactly what I'm wanting. But mm -hmm. I'm good at sort of steering them in a direction. Then once they're, they're when they created it, I actually did cry when I saw my brochure. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, you've literally just jumped into my head. Um, yeah. And it's just making sure that that all just runs in line with the architecture and the interior design right to the end. Yeah. Um, and that's why the brief development is the absolute critical part of any project. Like, I think that people do not spend enough time developing the brief. No, and it is so fundamental to the to the success of the end result of the project, whatever's yeah. built or created. Yeah. So, yeah, you, they they nailed your website because they got the brief smack on. You know, yeah. they, they absolutely nailed. Well, they it. they did the brochures first, and I was overwhelmed. I loved them so much, and it just didn't match my website. So I just said, "Look, can mm. you just do me a new website matching the the brochure, the same." feel it's exactly what happened to me and i was like oh my god i love exactly it i've literally just seen it i was like oh my god amazing anyway coming away from architecture <laughs> um so with your client relationships like how do you communicate with clients do you is it very emails do you like to pick up the phone do you use whatsapp is it a mixture how do you like so, communicating yeah so um i use a mixture of of techniques but i see myself as in residential architecture like hand holding my clients a lot of them haven't built or renovated before so there needs to be a method that's quick and easy so i use email for everything um especially important documents yeah. but we use whatsapp yeah so have a dedicated whatsapp yeah um and that seems to work really well it's kind of instant you can file share on there everything's there and it yeah. just feels it's more yeah i think it's yeah i think it's more personable on whatsapp yeah um i like using whatsapp i think sometimes mm -hmm. the only danger with whatsapp when you run your own business is that some people feel like you have to reply straight away yeah like in the yeah. evening or the weekends and it, the, the 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 boundaries can cross them because of my previous ex my business experience i do think it's really important that you do have that switch off time otherwise yeah. you're just going to go on burnout um, absolutely absolutely yeah 
Amazing. So just going back to the, so with, with, so you get a project in, mm -hmm. you've got to the concept stage, you've got agreed on the concept with the interior designer and the client. At what yeah. point do you, what, what, what point does an architect step away and the interior designer sort of takes over? How, how involved are you through the build, through the sign off, right to the end of it opening? Like, where do you kind of step back as, as an architect? So because, because of my training, the kind of projects I do, I often do a lot of the interiors stuff myself. Okay. But when um a dedicated interior designer is needed when it's a bigger project outside of my kind of scope and skill set mm -hmm. um i i tend to i swap my kind of hat throughout the process so at the beginning i'm the um, brief writer conceptual design creator design developer and then when it gets to construction the interior designer is presenting all of the fixtures and finishes and all of that kind of stuff and I'm there as the PM for the building work. Right. So I tend to work hand in hand with the interior uh, 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 interior designer right to the end of the project, oh, right to the point of doing the photo shoot at the end. You know. Oh, I love that's the bit I love. It's so rewarding to watch someone do something that you can't do yourself. Yeah. And kind of collaboratively create this this project yeah. at the end. So yeah. Oh, the end bit's amazing. Yeah. Um, with the, just, we're going to change, going to steer off the conversation. So in terms of technology, I mean, how, since you were at university till now, what do you feel like the, with the enhancement of technology and 3D modeling and virtual reality, like how, how much has it changed good or bad? Very <laughs> much. I was trained on a drawing board. I'm not what? that old. <laughs> I'm old enough that my first year at university, I was actually trained on a drawing board. Right. So pen and paper do you draw initially. Do, do, do you do pen and paper now is it all all on computer i design on pen and paper yeah i find wow. it easier to kind of get my ideas out so i'll, I'll sketch in a, in a notepad and i tend to talk draw with clients as well That's so if we're really discussing isn't it yeah it's I quite have that skill that is imp i think it's impressive the course that i did it they encourage to do some kind of drawing it hasn't got to be a masterpiece but no not at all idea i think it's really because you want to be able to share skills. I think it's a really good uh, yeah. skill to have for sure. Um, yeah. And, what... and then obviously now I'm working with CGIs. So we yeah. come right to, the, right to the other end of technology where CAD is kind of standard for me. I, I still prefer it as a drawing tool. Um, and then CGIs and SketchUp and virtual reality tours. And Has it changed the way you design? Has it, has it changed? The uh, no, it hasn't changed the way I design, but it has changed the relationship with my clients. Right. So I've gone from a position where I'm trying to explain flat drawings to someone that may never have read a drawing before to saying like this. <laughs> Ta -da! Yeah. And suddenly all the design decisions are easier because they can see what they're going to get. Yeah. You know? There's no miscommunication or interpretation issues. some people just can't visualize can they, they can't it's no, so easy no. to visualize i use the yeah. software for my for my spatial planning where i do all the floor plans and i basically press a button and it turns it into a 3d model and there's also a walkthrough mm -hmm. option and that's yeah. what me doing i mean you that is such a good way of showing the client the whole yeah. house it's such a yeah. good way of way of showing it um, there's no mis miscommunication they know exactly what they're going to get and they're making design decisions 
about stuff that normally you wouldn't be able to do until it was built. Yeah. You know, so it's it's forward uh, focusing all the design decisions that normally would have been later on. Yeah. Um. What's the most? Uh, what's the biggest sort of challenges you face as an architect? Like, what what do you find quite difficult as part of your job? I think the most challenging is probably when you work with clients that have never built before, and it's kind of gaining their trust. Um, often a, a, a building project is the biggest amount of money everyone anyone's ever going to spend, apart from physically buying a house in the first place. And sometimes it's more than that. You know, yeah. they're huge amounts of money. And if they are new to the process, it's winning their trust and guiding them through the process so that it's not stressful, so that they actually enjoy it and they come out the other side feeling wow. like they've enjoyed the process. Because I think sometimes... So the client I just spoke to, like sometimes it's quite difficult at the very beginning to get it across to them what is going to happen and the whole yes. process because there's so yeah. many twists and turns that can happen. They've kind mm. they kind of just have to trust you. Yes, jump hold your hands, hold your hands, hands jump, jump into the deep end, and just mm. go and just go through the process. You yeah. can and just do it the general yeah. outline and then you just get in and do it and sometimes mm. i find that difficult when i'm doing a client yeah. meeting to actually articulate the full process because there's so much to it mm. what comes first who orders what when how who does it it's, you just kind of just got to go into it trust that i'm gonna yeah. organize it and make something really beautiful at the end and hold your breath and just go for it <laughs> It is. There's a huge, huge level of trust. You and actually, to, uh, yeah. you can educate your clients as you go along. I always give out an onboarding document, which is a pro the process document. Yeah. Um, and it, it works on kind of a time scale. The other thing is that if you are your point of contact, your sole point of contact for a construction project for your client, as long as they know that they can ask you any questions whenever they want and that they know they can trust you, you can kind of guide them just like the next meter and the next meter. They don't need to see to the very end. No, that's too overwhelming. And that, you know, they need to know where they're going, but they don't necessarily need to, to know every twist and turn because they know you're there to deal with it. They're going to get dizzy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, my, it's just like, no, if there's no, anything no. big, I'll ask you. And if it's run of the mill, let me crack on and, and do it for you yeah yeah um do you have any advice for it's kind of two questions really for um aspiring architects i know you mentioned we had a brief, brief talk before and you were like just get work experience and it's like <laughs> sometimes that's really difficult when i first started out i wrote mm. interior design practices no one knew me and what my what my vibe is and you know it's very hard to articulate that into the email and there are so many you know, the, the country yeah. is oversaturated. It's so difficult to actually, it's not impossible. Nothing's impossible. But what is, what is an advice for an architect or anyone kind of wanting to go into this industry right at the beginning? Like what, what, what do you recommend they do? I think yeah. it's, it's getting good advice about what qualifications you need first and foremost. Yeah. You know, do you need, do you need to go to university? Do you need a, a college course? What is it that you physically need to, gain the skills the initial skill set to start and I think it's being open with everyone around you of, of what your intentions are someone always knows someone that can help yeah just be open to offers of work experience or shadowing um take the design process into your own hands and start to physically design something yourself and yeah and work through the process and learn where the tricky bits are you yeah. know um 
read industry magazines yeah look at newspapers look at um all of the amazing programs that are on at the moment to do with interior design and building work there's a huge wealth of knowledge that's already out there available and just saturate saturate yourself in it become you know one with all of the information that's out there and don't don't be afraid to kind of build a niche as well what is it specifically that you want to do rather than being a general designer? Yeah. You know, which area of it really interests you? It's like my, my, you know, my old, my old industry. You've got to really love it. Mm. You've got to really, really love it. Fashion first, money second. That's how it yeah, always works. <laughs> I think architecture and interior design is a, a little bit, well, it is a lot different, obviously, but there's a lot of similarities. But I think architecture is so technical. I don't think you can get away mm. with it without doing you know going down the proper road interior yeah. design is a bit different because you can mm. there are loads of different courses i think you, the the main thing really i think is you have to have the eye you have yes. to have the eye for taste you have to have the ability to speak to clients you've got to be mm. able to vis- be very visual and actually those mm. things you can't teach so you can no. go and do an interior design course, but it doesn't mean you're going to be a really good interior designer. You can no, that- you, can, you can develop those skills. You can kind of bring them out and blossom. Yeah. I think without the right personality, and you're passion. probably... You've got the real yeah. passion for interiors. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so that's kind of, that's my my two pennies worth of advice. I think you've really <laughs> got to, there isn't another option. You've really just got no. to love it and you've just got to sort of submerge yourself into it. Um, Absolutely. In terms of like future, well, in terms of like just a bit of a curveball, like what kind of buildings do you like to look at? Because I went to Dubai at Christmas, and oh my, I love Dubai so much. The buildings, <laughs> just the shapes of them. I think Manchester probably could have been a bit more adventurous in terms of the look of all these skyscrapers mm. that are going out. They're very box. It's not very exciting. Yes. They look powerful when you walk down yes. the Gate and you see the one. The, I mean, it looks really powerful. But in mm. terms of the aesthetic of the buildings, kind of what buildings yeah. do you kind of gravitate towards? To well, I've always loved older buildings. I love listed buildings. Mm. Um, anything with huge character. I do love modern some modern work as well but i think i like the kind of juxtaposition of the two together yeah. rather than one in isolation and yeah i love that kind of melding of the two styles coming together that that's yeah. like yeah. we've been to um restoration hardware in oh. uh, i haven't but i've seen your post oh my it. god I'm so, <laughs> i actually can't tell you it's quite hard to explain what that building is like and what it's mm. like inside you just have to go um, yeah, you saw. I'm going. <laughs> uh, honestly, <laughs> you, I, I'm so I'm passionate about it. I, I can't get over it. It was so bizarre. I turned. My friend was like, "You're gonna love it. It's amazing." And we drove around the corner, and it took my breath away. This big, massive country house palace. It was mm. humongous, estate with two wings, east wing and a west wing. And then yeah. you stepped foot in the doors, and I was like, "This can't be real." It <laughs> and, and, the, and the restaurant had that proper mix of really old heritage, mm. the elegance, the mod. It was like modern elegance and the light. Exactly, yeah. it was just like really heavenly. And like when we sat in the cafe, I mean, I would say cafe. It wasn't a cafe. It was like a <laughs> coffee experience in <laughs> the wrong word. I sat there, had all the exposed brick, and then on the 
the wall it had three of the old wooden hatches that the servants would have used to like put washing through and I was like it it was amazing it was amazing it blows your mind and it's the history it's the yeah I love it it's just yeah it's wonderful I really 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 recommend it um but thanks for that I love the chat obviously I love your energy anyway (laughs) <laughs> and um, tell everyone where they can find you on your social media and your website. Um, yeah, actually, yeah. Was a, your, you sent me something the other day about a new business. What's this new venture? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, exciting new development. So last year I became a construction firm, a partnership with a, an in-house builder. Right. So I'm able now to kind of do the designs and actually see it through to completion. Okay. Uh, as a construction Design project, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, as part of that process, um, there's an interior design element of it. And the more I work with homeowners, the more I realise they want bespoke finishes. Yeah. So um, I've actually taken over the running of a company that my sister set up about a year ago. Um, And now I can offer a service where uh, clients can design their own furnishings, their own curtains cushions lampshades or fabric by the meter just to make their homes even more bespoke wow so really excited about it so where can they find this where can they do some research um it's called caroline james okay official caroline james on instagram and there'll be things happening in the next couple of days uh, an official relaunch oh. um and i'll be posting it on all my stories and oh, there'll so be a link directly on my website oh it's yeah. so exciting yeah uh, yeah well, hopefully so I can you can have a really point. bespoke, yeah, bespoke interior. Congrats. Look at us taking over the world. <laughs> I know. <Look> <laughs> um, you've got to have the confidence. You've just got to do it. I'm so pleased for you. I can't yeah. wait to see that. Uh, but thanks thank you so much. Today. Uh, I'll tag your website and your uh, Instagram and everything into this bio. By the time this episode goes out, I'll probably wait for your launch to happen so I can put all the official details in okay. the bio. But go and check yeah. her out. She's fabulous. And thank you very much. I hope I'll see you. Thank you soon. very much. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks so much. Welcome. Nice to speak to you. Well, there you go. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It really means a lot. Now, I know it's a complete faff, but if you could subscribe, rate and review this podcast, it will really help other people find me. You can also say hello to me at my Instagram, that's at underscore textured underscore. Yes, that's a mouthful. And that's textured without the first E. Or get in touch with ideas for future episodes by emailing me at info at textured.studio.